Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. That's Matthew chapter 6, and we will start at verse 1. Jesus is still teaching how we should act spiritually when confronted naturally. We are being taught spiritually common sense and how we should carry ourselves in an ungodly world. We're just going to be scratching the surface of what these verses are are saying or talking about. But starting with verse 1, it says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Take heed means to pay attention. We must always take note of our surroundings and who is watching. Be sure when in public, what you do is not to be seen of by others. Back then, giving alms was a considerable part of the righteousness and justice which they owed to their neighbor. Alms means to give money or goods as love to the poor, an act of giving back to the poor. But like some today, they give to be seen of those around them. This will look good on their resume. But your natural works will not show up on your spiritual resume of God. Verse 2 says, Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Sounding a trumpet means don't call people when you give. The Pharisees were good for making themselves seen. And what you do in the church is to be seen or heard. God is not impressed. Verse 3 says, But when thou Thus alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. This is a metaphor way of saying, when you do something, don't make it obvious or public. Even when you do something for someone in the church, don't go tell everybody. If possible, what you do, do it in secret. Everything you do is recorded in heaven. Job said also, now behold, my witness is in heaven and my record is on high. Though what I do may be misunderstood on earth, God can vouch for me in heaven. God knows when I am sincere. If what I do is for the right reason, that is what matters. Verse four says this, that alms, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Remember, the eye of the Lord is upon us. He not only sees the action we take, he also knows the motive behind it. When you do it quietly, you allow God to reward you openly. Verse 5 said, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto thee, they have their reward. 
It does not mean you can't pray when asked or pray in church or pray aloud. But when you pray, don't purposely go where others can see and use words no one understands. It was lawful that in that day to pray in the synagogues and to pray standing there before God, before men. But it was done to by design to be applauded by men. Our prayer lies with God. We should not uh, concern ourselves with how men like our manner of prayer. God is our witness and will be the rewarder of, of, of our sincerity. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. First, remember who you are praying to. Prayer is the most secret relationship of the soul with God. This type of prayer is where and when you would retire even from public prayer. It is communication between you and God. This would no longer be a prayer that others hear. Corinthians says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. A closet prayer is simply a state of secrecy. Somewhere you will not be disturbed. A room where no one is, even the secrecy of your mind. Something prayer is done only in church. The Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing. Praying to God can be done in the car, even at work. Prayer is talking or communicating with the Father. There are some religions that pray to God when the sun rises and again when the sun sets. Verse 7 says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Don't repeat yourself by using the same words over and over or using words that are empty and have no value or meaning. Long prayers can become repetitious. You can pray so long that you begin to repeat yourself. Verse 8 says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. God knows what you need. Mm -hmm. So when you pray, don't ask amiss. Now, in the next few verses, what Jesus is about to teach them is, is not the Lord's prayer. It is the prayer given to the multitude and the disciples to pray. When Jesus rose from the dead. All these things changed, and you will see this. Verse 9 says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. After this manner is a way of doing something. And what was being introduced is when you pray, call God your Father. We need to know and recognize who we are praying to, where he is and who he is. We need to know his name is holy and should be respected and honored. It is because Jesus, because of Jesus, we can call God our father. Verse 10 says, by kingdom come. 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. First, look closely at what it says and compare with what you hear others say when they quote this. One, it says, thy kingdom come. Because of Jesus, the kingdom has now come. We don't have to pray for it to come. Jesus said in Luke, the kingdom of God is within you. And it is the father's good pleasure to give it to you. Romans tells us the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus died, the kingdom that they were praying to come has been given and delivered by God's spirit in us. Then it says thy will be done. God's will for us is to see and believe on the son. As it tells us in John 6 and 40. All this was in the process of being fulfilled while Jesus was here. But the next part of this verse is important to understand. It says in earth as it is in heaven. When you hear people quote this, they say on earth as it is in heaven. This kingdom and his will is being done in you, not on you. You are the earth that the will has to be done in. On earth would mean on the planet. Before it can be done on earth, it has to be done in earth. We are God's earthen vessels. If we are going to be his children, we need to be equipped as his children. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Today, the word of God is our daily bread. It is not something we must pray for. Just read it. They didn't have the testament of Jesus Christ then. All they had was the testament of the law. Jesus was fulfilling this law so they may have grace because he had not died to be risen yet. Verse 12 said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The Bible basic English says, and make us free of our debts as we have made those free from who are indebted to us. This does not mean free me of my house note, car note. <laughs> but as you want God to free you from those you're indebted to, you free them that are indebted to you. Another writer said, and forgive us our wrongdoings as we have forgiven those who have wronged us. What this verse is saying, when you begin to pray, just as you want God to forgive you, have in your mind to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God does not tempt us with sin. He delivers us from sin. James says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he, tempt he any man. James also says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then it says, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
It is God's kingdom. It is by his power the kingdom is governed and maintained. By his glory and honor that we have the maintenance of the kingdom of grace in the salvation of men. Verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Simple when you think about it. Every time we go to God in prayer and ask forgiveness of him, we should be forgiving others heartily, sincerely, fully, freely, readily, and willingly. When you forgive man, when he does something against you, God forgives you as well. But if you forgive not men of their trespasses, as it says in verse 15, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. A vindictive man separates himself from all hope of eternal life, and he seals his own damnation. We cannot afford to hold grudges. This is not the character or love of God. One writer said, we call in vain for mercy if we will not show mercy to our neighbor. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad continence, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. If you are fasting, don't go around people who are eating and look at them with a face of hunger. Fasting is not just avoiding food. A true fast, you remove yourself from everything. All activities that keep, that will keep you or distract your mind. When most people fast, they do everything else to keep their mind off of eating and don't have their mind on God. They watch TV. They go play some sport. But when you fast, you should give your total attention to God. This way, you may be in tune with him and hear from him. When you fast, you are totally separate. You totally separate yourself from the world. Husbands and wives should tell each other when they fast. So they will not prepare a meal in vain and waste food. Look at verse 18. That thou appear not unto men too fast, but unto the father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth thee in secret, shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's nothing wrong with having something. But don't let what you have take you away from who you are. Don't allow the treasures of your heart replace God. But take note, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. If a man is not careful... His attention and value can be on his wealth and not God. Remember the rich man when he said, I have much and will tear down and build bigger. Then God said unto him, thou fool, this night thou soul will be required. 
We cannot allow ourselves to be focused on earthly treasures and forget the heavenly treasures God has provided us. Verse 22 says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. As the eye is to the physical body, so is the spiritual eye of the inner man of the soul. When the eye is single towards an object, it is clear and plain. The inner man shall be all light filling the entire body with the spiritual light of the gospel. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkened, how great is that darkness? If the spiritual eye of the soul is dim, dark, or hidden with carnal and lust and fleshly imaginations, it will be unable to become aware or achieve the spiritual lessons of the pure gospel. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. God does not have double agents. Galatians says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Either you are serving God or you're not. The ministers of Christ must not be men pleasers. They must not please men either by flattery or falsehood, which means a practice of lying. They cannot favor or adjust to their doctrines. Mammon is a word or name given to an idol worshipped as the God of riches. Again, you cannot serve the true God and at the same time be engaged in the riches of this world. Today, money, wealth, property, and possessions has become the gods for men. Verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. For your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Take no thought, meaning be not anxious. Philippians tells us, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We must believe God will provide for every servant of his food and raiment. God, having created your life and your bodies, he can provide and support them. Listen to what it says in the next verses. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Mm -hmm. Which one of us, by just thinking, can add anything? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today 
is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Example after example, Jesus is showing us the things that God has done for the rest of the world and things in the world. So if we are created in his image and after his likeness, how much more are we of value than these? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what, ye, what, we, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whither shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. You see, the Gentiles then and the world now are ignorant of God's promises, and they depend upon their own resources for support. But we and the disciples have a more complete knowledge of God and his power. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek the righteousness, peace, and joy that is in God's spirit. And seek Jesus, who is our righteousness. And the food and the raiment you are in need of shall be provided. Finally, it says, Take therefore no thought for the tomorrow, for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Every day has its own duty and difficulty. We can do nothing about yesterday because it is gone. And we can do nothing about tomorrow because it has not come yet. And we too often torment ourselves today with fears of what may be tomorrow. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Tomorrow, if it comes, it will take care of itself. My time is up, and I thank you for yours.